Fundamentalists are typically associated with religions and not with ideologies. I know that. But I want to entertain an idea here that, in my view, is very important, relevant, and increasingly a growing trend. And that is of extremist liberal fundamentalists. Now, anyone can be a fundamentalist. I have previously talked about fascists and communists. You can be a peaceful fascist and a peaceful communist, or you can choose to be a violent one, a fundamentalist one. Can anyone take things to extreme fundamentalism? What about liberals? Why would the liberal ideology be immune from that? So what is a fundamentalist? It is basically a pathological dedication to a literal meaning of written statements or views leading to heated discussion and violent action. The extremist is the one who carries out the violent action. The fundamentalist can be either or. Well, that's my definition, take it or leave it. I want to be clear here that depending on the context, the tag fundamentalism can be used rather derogatively. Uh, so, so to abuse someone, oh, you're a fundamentalist. However, I put it to you that fundamentalist, although may appear extreme, thus extremist, or even crazy, but all they're doing is carrying out what they're supposed to be doing. Well, at least in the religious context. And that is ultimately just following God's word to the letter, isn't it? If you are religious, especially those of you who look up to Abraham, Jesus, Muhammad, then really you technically should be fundamentalists. You should be following and doing things that are God's will. You may be interpreting the data, the same data, incorrectly. Now, that's not to say that the view of the fundamentalist is the reality of the views. There is crazy stuff in religious texts, and you shouldn't be following all that stuff. Then following it to the letter, although it's God's idea, may not be a good idea. Liberalism used to be an ideology. These days, it's evolved through what was classical liberalism. And now, it's anything but an ideology. I have done an entire podcast on liberalism back in episode 31. Feel free to check it out later. Since I already covered the history and origin of liberalism back then, I will tackle it here. So here's a short version. Philosopher John Locke is often credited with founding liberalism as a distinct tradition based on a, the, social contract, arguing that each man has a natural right to life, liberty, and property and ultimately governments ought not violate these rights. Liberalism became a distinct movement in what is known as the Age of Enlightenment. Go check out my episode 53. And it gained popularity among Western philosophers and economists back in those days. Liberalism wanted to replace the norms of hereditary privilege, state religions, and absolute monarchy, especially the divine right of kings. Now, that was very common back in the day, right? And it wanted to replace it with what is known as representative democracy and what is known as the rule of law. Liberals also ended or wanted to end mercantile policies, royal monopolies, and other trade barriers, and wanted to promote free trade and market economies. The whole liberalism thing's origins are steeped in Protestantism, at least that's my view. Following the 1688 so-called bloodless, glorious revolution in England, installing only now Protestant monarchs over Catholic ones, began a journey 
that started with then the Bill of Rights in England. That's about 100 years before the American Bill of Rights. So yes, that English Bill of Rights and the Glorious Revolution began a movement of sorts, an ideological movement of sorts on this path known as liberalism that is now that liberalism today. So it's evolved. Now, that's all the background I'm going to give you in this episode. If you wanted to know more, go back, scroll back to the episodes on liberalism and enlightenment for more. But there are two additional things I do want to touch on before diving into the details of what modern liberal fundamentalism may be, because they are relevant to my examples. One is social liberalism. And two is liberal democracies. And maybe we should add a third, economic liberalism. And let's look at economic liberalism first. Economic liberalism supports a market economy based on individualism and private property as a means of production. British philosopher Adam Smith, yes, that Adam Smith, is considered the leading primary initial writer on economic liberalism. And his writing is generally regarded as representing the economic expressions of the 19th century, all the way up to the Great Depression, when the concept was challenged by Keynesian economics. And that was named by British economist John Maynard Keynes. Keynesian economics was developed during the 1920s Great Depression era, and importantly for us, it advocated for lots of government intervention in the economy to prevent recession, depression, inflation, and other volatile scenarios. This eventually became the liberal norm, often using central banks to determine economic policies. So that's economic liberalism. What is a liberal democracy? A liberal democracy is a combination. It's a combination of liberal political ideology operating in a democratic form of a government. Liberal democracies work best when the choice of political parties is not that many. When the majority of the party elite are hand in glove with the civil service and, and ideally, where the discussion is on semantics rather than talk of major political reforms. All of these things need to be functional. What about social liberalism? Well, to me, this is the crux origin and basis of my episode. Social liberalism is what Americans in particular refer to as plain and simple liberalism in modern time. Social liberalism is a branch, shall we say, of the overall concept of liberalism. This is one that endorses the social market economy and the expansion of civil and political rights. This social liberalism sees the common good, a common good, as harmonious with the individual's freedom. Social liberals do overlap with social democrats in accepting economic intervention more than other traditional classical liberals. Actually, on the contrary, classical liberals probably wouldn't want any government intervention. In media and some academic circles, social liberal ideas and parties tend to be considered centrist or center-left. In the United States, social liberalism may sometimes be called so-called progressives or a progressive stand on socio-cultural issues, such as, for example, reproductive rights and same-sex marriage. At this point, we need to pause. The word progressive. That word in the U.S. has political undertones. If you live outside the U.S., you need some help in understanding this because it is quite odd. Some people in the U.S. consider progressivism as a political philosophy. Yes, a political philosophy, would you believe? The modern progressives are patrons of two areas that drive their worldview. Social justice 
and environmentalism. We have to look at these two ideas because the very core of liberal fundamentalism stems from the United States and it starts with these two concepts. Now, social justice. Social justice, or so-called justice, is talked about the distribution of wealth, opportunities, and privileges within a society. In the present movements for social justice, the emphasis has been on the breaking of barriers for very fluffy things like social mobility, the creation of safety nets, and economic justice. Economic justice wants to create opportunities for every person to have, and I air quote, a dignified, productive, and creative life that extends beyond economics, end air quote. I air quote because words like dignity, productive, and creative are right out of U.S. university textbooks. And that's my next point. The origins of this movement have been in U.S. university campuses since the 1980s, ramping up in the 1990s. So an entire generation of people in the U.S. have essentially been indoctrinated into these beliefs as normal. The U.S. is the primary country in the Anglo-led Western world. The ideas from the U.S. have already been exported to the English-speaking world. I'll get to how this can extend to fundamentalism and extremism in a moment. First, the other leg of progressivism is environmentalism. Now, this environmentalism is also considered a philosophy, believe it or not. Those awkward green tree huggers from the 1990s in 2022, they're in charge. Their primary focus is environmental protection and environmental help, with the assumption that all change is the human's fault, and that needs to be fixed. So I've now laid the groundwork for the social justice movement. I also want to add here that like any dogma, it is littered with flaws. Social justice is an enemy of human nature. You can't do social justice unless you do injustice to someone else. The law of the universe dictates that someone somewhere will always be screwed. It's incumbent on you and I to make sure we are not that someone. Fighting for others' rights is all about you wanting to feel better. That's it. The best way to fight for something is actually to do the needful. Complaining on social media is just to make you feel better, not to help another. Environmentalism is the other impossible, climate change. Humans may or may not be causing it, but one thing is for sure. If you want food, drink, warm homes, cars, flights, electricity, and basically even the selling apps on your phone, even this podcast, then you are contributing to the global catastrophe that you are so badly crying about. Because these creature comforts, including your education, retirement, jobs, money, health, is all dependent on fossil fuels. When or if fossil fuels run out, then you'd better hope that you're long gone by then. It's all the way back to the year 1800 if fossil fuels disappear. And this oddness brings me on to how these ideas become fundamentalists. In other words, what the hell happened? Let me give you an example. Think about those environmental eco-warriors in the United Kingdom who go to supermarkets and destroy milk products, throw paint on priceless art in museums, block roads so ambulances can't get to their destinations. This is insane. It's crazy. It's extreme. Another example is from the US, where the idea of critical race theory is commonplace. This notion that white supremacy and anyone who disagrees with the anti-white supremacy thesis is essentially a Nazi or a white supremacist. And no, I'm not making it up. This stuff is taught across schools in the US. These people are living their dream, often known in the early 2020s as wokeness or the woke. But the extremism is much worse than the fundamentalism. Yes, that's right. The social justice warriorship 
and the eco-lovers use violence to enforce their version of fundamentalism. They do this via the US military, NATO, and the general Western foreign policy establishment. Democracy, freedom, women's rights, LBTQ+, racial equality, carbon neutrality, and so on and so forth, are to kill for, to destroy for, and ultimately to never, ever, never die for. It is my fundamental belief that the lies NATO tells its people in order to justify otherwise extremely brutal wars are seeped in this language. Freedom, democracy, human rights, social justice, environmentalism. Take a minute to look at the brutal 2003 invasion of Iraq. The idea was to remove weapons of mass destruction that technically didn't even exist and turn Iraq into a liberal utopia, a liberal democracy. What happened? Over a million died. The idea is to turn Iran also into something else. Saudi, India, Mexico, Serbia, Hungary, Ukraine, China, Russia. Name your country of choice. The ideal outcome is always one. It is liberalism. Liberal world order at the end of a barrel of bombs. Now, of course, you can arm twist the Sri Lankans and buy the Pakistanis. You could even tell the Egyptians what to do so their human rights and their social justice don't matter. But for China, Russia, and India, they do matter. The NATO-US foreign policy establishment knows that to keep hegemony, it needs to keep the Russians, Indians, and Chinese down. It's natural and normal for great powers to do this. You can't fault them. But the messaging is social justice, meaning the liberal fundamentalism is now the liberal extremism. It's violent. And the US is what we're talking about here largely because it is the dominant force in the liberal world order. In the US, when they talk about liberalism, it's not just a Democratic Party thing, but it's also a Republican Party thing, known in most circles as the uni party. That is the single party where they all agree. The objective is constant war. It's difficult to estimate how many victims have been for this liberal extremism. Iraq, twice, Libya, Syria, all the color revolutions, including the attempted overthrow of Erdogan of Turkey, Mudara of Venezuela. The never-ending conflict against Russia, maybe because they don't sing from the same hymn sheet. The Chinese maybe are next. After all, they don't go killing around their own people. Or they do, don't they? That makes them really bad. And then the Indians are possibly next. Maybe. Look, I'm not an apologist for dictators. Give me some freedom to insult the so-called political masters of the day any day. But the endless violence in the name of freedom, democracy, and social justice sounds plain evil to me. I'll leave you with one thought. Equity, rights, freedom, and democracy are all good and proper. But it only works if you have a life. Once the bombs of the freedom lovers hits you, it's all over, and it's over forever. Thank you.